Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. When I was seeking the Lord, you just have to understand, everybody in whatever field they're in has, has those things in which they will tell you that they are intuitive. You don't have to be spiritual to be intuitive. I knew a man one time that worked. He was an engineer. He did not have a college degree, but he was an engineer. God gifted him with the mind of an engineer. He's working with, with engineers, very educated, highly educated engineers in a plant. They had a problem, and they could not come up with the answer. And the man was trying to figure it up, and they were ready to write it off and say, this can't be done. We're going to scratch the whole thing move on to something else and he went to sleep that night while he was dreaming he dreamed the answer to the problem went into work early that day got his crew together and they solved the problem the other engineers came in and they said what are you doing they said well we fixed this they said no we've looked at it it can't be done well they said you say it can't but we say it can they showed him and they were flabbergasted everybody has some intuitiveness inspiration if you will what they do in life it doesn't have to be spiritual it can be for preachers it has to be I mean, I guess it doesn't have to be, but it should be. And I was praying this week, and the Lord, you have to know how the Lord deals with me. He's not going to deal with you the way he deals with me. But as I was praying, the phrase bundle of sticks came to my mind. And when God speaks to me, things get in my spirit and they won't go away. They're like on a big screen, and I can't get rid of it. I'm I'm saying, Lord, what's a bundle of sticks about? And, you know, the Lord just, I guess I'm so difficult, he just has to take me by the hand and... (laughs) Come here, let me show you what I want you to do. So I went to the Word, and I found this passage in Acts 28 about a bundle of sticks. That's why I've entitled this a bundle of sticks. And when I read it, then the Holy Spirit began to speak to me and give me revelation. So I've got some things like last Sunday. I've got some things i got to get out. So y'all let me get it out. Acts 28, verses 1 through 6. Acts 28, verses 1 through 6. This is about Paul and his companions when they're on a ship headed to Rome. I'll talk about that in a minute, but so you'll understand the first verse that we read. The ship had wrecked, so it'll help you to understand. Now, when they had escaped, talking about the shipwreck, they then found out that the island was called Malta. That's where they were shipwrecked. And the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. And so when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, Well, no doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire. People say, do you Pentecostals handle snakes? No, we shake them off in the fire. We don't don't like snakes. I tell them, we don't handle snakes. We shoot snakes in this Pentecostal church. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, God supernaturally protected him. They changed their minds, look at this, and they said that he was a God. He went from a murderer to a God in one miracle. Man, that's a salvation message right there, isn't it? All right, sit down before I start preaching three messages at once. 
In Acts, that was Acts 28. In Acts 27, the previous chapter, chapter, we find the Apostle Paul on a ship bound for Rome. Within a few days, the ship was caught in a great storm that threatened the lives of all who were on board. Somehow they managed to keep it afloat, but the ship ran aground and through the fury and force of the waves and the winds was broken into pieces. And now they found themselves shipwrecked. Fortunately, where they shipwrecked, there was land. And the other passengers and Paul made it safely ashore on what is the island of Malta in the Caribbean Sea. The indigenous people of the island assisted them greatly. It was cold and rainy. It was the winter months. And so they built a fire to dry out Paul and the others and to keep them warm. And verse 3 of our text tells us that Paul gathered a bundle of sticks. Now, why would he do that? It just takes common sense and reading the story to figure it out. Evidently, the fire built by the natives was dying out. Whatever fuel had been put on it had been consumed and burned, and it was going down, and it's still raining, and they're still cold and wet, and so they need to refuel the fire. And so Paul wanted to keep it burning. Paul wanted to keep the fire burning. Now, preachers do this, what I'm about to do. We read something that is descriptive, and then we see spiritual truths within the story, the narrative. And so I want to begin today with a spiritual truth inspired by this story. And the truth is, there is such a thing as spiritual fire. It's not literal, it's not tangible, if you will, or physical, I should say, but it's real nonetheless. Spiritual fire. John the Baptist said concerning Jesus, He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Fire can mean a lot of things in the Bible, but I think basically, essentially, above all, it represents two things. I think it represents, number one, the glory of God. We talk sometimes about the Shekinah glory, and it's a bright, flaming glory that looks like fire. It represents the presence and power of God in all of its glory. And then I think fire can represent the zeal, the passion, the fervor that you can have for the Lord. We get fired up about a lot of things, don't we? But we ought to be fired up for Jesus. And so I think you can be fired up for God and the things of God. And last Sunday, I am convinced that a fire was kindled in many of you. If you're visiting today, then I'll bring you up to speed. I preached a message called, Who Will Take Up the Mantle? And I preached on generational faith and how it is the responsibility of the previous generation to pass on the faith of Christ to the next generation. And it is the responsibility of the next generation to take that faith and embrace it and appropriate it and make it their own. And we had a powerful, powerful move of God. I've had people tell me they went back, after being here, went back and watched it again online. It was one of the most tremendous services I've ever been in. And I think a fire was placed in the previous generation to say, we want to pass this faith on. We will not be negligent of our duty. 
And there is a fire in all of you young adults here because there are so many of you in your 20s and 30s and 40s that attend this church. God's sent you here and you keep coming. And something happened to you last week where God put a fly, fire in you, a flame in you that, that you, some of you will let me know, I want to be that person, Pastor Chris, who takes up the faith. I want my kids to see it. I've got to pass it on to my children. It's good to be on fire for God. You want to do everything you can to stay on fire for God. In the Old Testament temple, there was a lampstand called the menorah. And it was required of the priest to keep the lamp continually burning. That doesn't mean a 24-7 it burned. They didn't have access to natural gas flow. Every once in a while, listen to me, it, 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 every once in a while they let it go out because they had to put new oil in the lamp. They had to put new wicks in the lamp, but as soon as they got the oil and the wicks back in the lamps, they lit it. They didn't let the fire, well, I'm just all over you right now. They didn't let the fire go out for too awful long. You make sure that if it's gone out, you put the oil back in the lamp. You, you put the wicks back in. You, you tend to it. You do what you have to do to get it burning again. God wants you to constantly tend to your spiritual life and to spiritual activities. Y'all, don't be passive. So many people are passive. Be active about the things of God because you need to do everything you can to stay on fire for God. God wants you on fire. This isn't just a preacher message. This sounds like something a Pentecostal preacher would preach. It is. But it's because God wants you on fire. Revelation, Revelation chapter 3. Jesus is talking to the Laodicean church. Verse 15, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. He said, but you're lukewarm. And I looked up that, that phrase, I could wish you were cold or hot. The better way, to, I think, to translate that is, oh, that you were cold or hot. God doesn't want you spiritually warm. God doesn't want you tepid. God wants you either. If you're going to live like for sin, then live in sin. But if you're going to live for him, then live for him. Get on fire. Do one or the other. But he would prefer that you get on fire for him and be burning up with him and the cause of Christ. That's what matters to him. You know, there are people that are just, well, this carnal church was lukewarm. You know, lukewarm is a temperature that's not quite cold and not quite hot. I've met a lot of people in church like that. You look at them, you say, well, I think they're a Christian. I feel pretty confident they're a Christian, but I'm not 100% sure they're a Christian because there are things sometimes I see and there's sometimes some things I don't see in their lives. Oh, it's quiet on Mother's Day. But, you know, this church was satisfied with just a little bit of Jesus. Just a smidgen of the Holy Spirit will be fine with me. But God doesn't want you to have just a little bit of Jesus or a smidgen. He wants you filled up and full and running over and on fire for him. So Paul had a fire that was dying out. So he went over and got a bundle of sticks. And I think that it's interesting that he got a bundle of sticks. I went in the Bible, and the only other place where I found somebody picking up sticks was when Elisha was with the widow of Zarephath, I think. And she was. he said, give me a... 
give me some water and a cake to eat, cornbread, because if you're going to preach it southern, it's cornbread. And she said, I'm going, and this is weird, she said, I'm getting a couple of sticks. I, I guess all the wood was gone. All she could find was a couple of sticks. Paul picked up a bundle of sticks. One was insufficient. It wouldn't last. It required quantity to keep the fire burning. So here's the pragmatic part of the message today. What bundle of sticks do you need to keep the fire burning? So these are fundamental. No great revelations on this one. Just a good old-fashioned reminder because you might need it. How about a constant prayer life? You know, when I was growing up, we used to sing, have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about your trouble. Heal your faintest cry. Answer by and by. Feel a little prayer wheel turning. And we'd sing, know a little fire is. Yeah, burning. Just a little talk with Jesus makes it. Somehow back then, those old folks back then knew, if you're going to pray, pray some fire down. The Bible says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much. Now, I don't always pray fired up, but a lot of times I do. How about a, just a constant prayer life? How about constant Bible reading? That's a good stick to throw in the fire. I love picking on Facebook because we'll spend three hours on Facebook. We can't get three minutes in his book. It's the truth. We'll, we'll get up early and get to work 30 minutes early. Why don't you get up 30 extra minutes early and spend some time with the Lord? Got to get to work. Got to get to work. I can't tell you the minutes. I got to get to work early. I don't get there five minutes. I get there 30 minutes early. I've got to get everything in place. Well, how about your life? Come on. I'm preaching where we live. I'm not being a smart aleck. I'm telling you, how about your life? You've got to spend, how about get everything? Spend some time with Jesus. Read the word. I'm going to go to work now. i got everything. Now I'm ready to face the day. Keep the fire burning, see? Uh, how about constant church attendance? Get back in the house of God. COVID's over. Somebody said it out loud. I think it's over. We've lived with it for two years. We're in oppression. Not me. I got the chains off, baby. Chains are off. Chains are off. It's over. I talked to people who said, back at work, praise the Lord. You go shopping, go grocery shopping. Woo. Been to Target, go to Target. Yay. Oh, we went to a ball game. Going to my grandkids' ball game. Back in church, no, I'm afraid of COVID. Oh, yeah, I'm telling it like it is today. That's a tool of the devil and a lie from hell. The one place you ought to be better than more than Target or work or anyplace else is in the house of God. Good preaching, Pastor. Hallelujah. Come on. I help myself. Just hold on. I got to keep myself going. <laughs> Fast every once in a while. Give up that cheeseburger. You know, fasting will produce a fire. Interact with others who are on fire. That's a good stick. 
you're hanging around with people who are spiritually dead, guess what you're going to be? But if you hang, you know, the Bible says iron sharpens, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. When you get around people that are on fire, it'll catch. Spark will jump over on you, and next thing you know, you're fired up. Here's the last bundle in, a stick in my bundle. Go to the altar. Go to the altar. You know, we're Pentecostal church. We actually have altar calls. We ask you to come down to the altar. Come down here and don't just stand, but go to the altar. I think there's a difference between coming to the altar and going to the altar. Go to the altar. That means you have intention. When you get down here, open yourself up. The altar is the place where God meets with man and man meets with God. That's always been that way traditionally. And you know what else happens on the altar? There's always a fire. You light a fire on the sacrifice. I'm preaching today, Edgar. So get in the altar. Get down here and say, Lord, I'm down here where the fire falls. There's something... I can get it anywhere, but there's something about when you come to the house of God and you get it, you go to the altar. The fire can fall. God, you'll leave the altar saying, God has done something in me. Somewhere in that bundle of poisonous uh, of sticks was a poisonous snake, a viper. It may have been hibernating since it was winter. Snakes go through this process called brumation. It's a state of partial dormancy or sleep. Watch this. But the viper came out of dormancy because of the heat of the fire. In the Bible, Satan is depicted as a snake. You remember in the Garden of Eden, right? He possessed a snake, talked through that snake to deceive Eve and Adam. In Revelation 20, verse 2, he is called the serpent of old. So I think we're pretty safe here. Here's a spiritual truth that I can tell you from the Bible and from my life. When you get on fire for God, don't be shocked if the devil shows up. Because the heat of the fire in you has drawn his attention. The viper attacked Paul. It fastened on his hand. It sunk its fangs into his flesh, pumping venom into his bloodstream. If you are non-confrontational in your personality, you may not like this next point, but listen, sometimes you have to fight the devil. Sometimes you have to fight. Ephesians 6.12 says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. In 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, Peter said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I love this. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. In James 4, 7, James simply said, resist the devil. Put him under your feet. If you look at the Greek word, it means to take somebody and put them under your feet. How many know that's where the devil belongs? Right there. Subdue him, resist him. You've got more power than the devil. He wants you to think you don't, but you do through Jesus Christ. The devil will come after you when you are on fire. His goal is to get you cold or he'll even take lukewarm. He doesn't care if you come to church. He doesn't care if you read your Bible. He doesn't care if you pray. 
as long as you're complacent and lethargic and nonchalant and indifferent. But if you are on fire for God, God is going to work in you. God is going to work through you, and that makes you a threat to the devil. Because God is going to start undoing what the devil has done in your life, your family, and then the people that you interact with. So here's a secret. Whatever is poisonous to your spirituality comes from the devil. If there's any person, any activity, any place, anything you watch, anything you get involved in that is hurting, poisoning your spiritual life, is toxic to your spirituality, to your walk with God, that's not of God, it's of the devil. You got to ask God to identify it to you, show it to you, and then you got to deal with it. Paul didn't panic. He didn't pass out. He was a cool, calm individual. Now, if that snake would have got on me, I'm not sure what I'd have done. He just shook it off, shook it loose, and it fell. But he made sure when he did it, he got right over the fire. He shook it off into the fire and destroyed it. Listen, I've been doing this a long time. I've been serving the Lord a long time. I'm just trying to help you all today. The enemy of your soul, if you start trying to live for God and serve God and and get serious about God and the things of God, listen to me. Satan will not sit down on this. He's not going to. He's going to try to do everything he can to hinder you and affect you. He'll blindside you. He'll try to shake you up with troubles and trials and fears. But once you realize that he is behind it, don't let him shake you up anymore. Instead, shake it off. Little Taylor Swift there, shake it off. Okay? That's about as spiritual as Taylor Swift's going to get. How do, I, how do I shake it off, Pastor Chris? So I'm having, going through all of a sudden, I feel like I'm under attack. I feel like things are going wrong in my life. What do I do? Use the fire. Use the fire. He didn't get a shotgun. He didn't get a hoe and take its head off. There was already a source. Shook it in the fire. So use the fire. You defeat the devil by the very fire inside of you. So pray in the spirit. Quote the word of God to him. Lean on God's power. Walk in faith. Praise and worship your way to victory. Resist the devil. And the promise is, the guarantee is, he will flee from you. You will always come out on top. You will always come out on top. Oh, I'm going through hard time. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna just forget this church stuff. I'm not going, oh, I'm gonna stop going to church. Why is it when bad things start happening? The first thing people do is stop going to church. I've been doing this a long time. Stop going to church. That's the last thing you need to be doing. You need to get to church. Get, Get with people that can help you find the victory. Don't let the devil win. Don't let the devil win. You defeat, you get, you go after God. You more more than ever, you go after God. When, when things start getting hot, go after God more than ever. Buckle down, bear down, batten down the hatches. You know, that's what I told my staff through COVID. How are we going to get through this? I said, we're going to batten down the hatches. 
We're going to ride through this thing. It'll end one day. See, it's officially over because I said it publicly. I'm just kidding. Batten down the hatches. We'll get through this. And that's what you do. You buckle down and you bear down and you say, no, sir, you're not knocking me backwards. You're not taking from me what I got, devil. You just poke the bear. This is Mother's Day. Don't ever poke the bear. And all the mama said, yeah, you poke that bear and you're dead. He'll take your head off. I've seen Leah bow up like a cat. She does that. She did that to one of the boys when they were young. I just got out of the way and said, you on your own. You poke the bear. Don't you fall back on the dub. Don't you start do, doing the opposite and get scared and run back to the No, you just, you, they, the devil poked the bear. You say, Dagum devil, I know what you, I know this, I know you're behind this. You think you, you're not going to run me off. I've just, God, pastor preached two weeks ago and I made up my mind I'm going to be, then you're giving me a hard time. Oh, you, you ain't seen. You, you understand me? You got to get a little fight in you and say, I'm not, this is, I'm not backing up. These are my, you, you have to get, because if you get me, then you'll get my kids. You get me, then you'll get my marriage. Uh-uh, I'm, I'm staying, I'm bearing down. We're going to fight through this, and you're going to lose. There's a guy named Reinhard Bonnke. He's gone to be with the Lord. He was a, I think he was German. He was a great evangelist. He traveled the world, did these crusades, especially in Africa. Oh, the people that got saved, the miracles. Only the good Lord in heaven knows what God did through that man in his ministry. He was unbelievable. And I, I, got, I was privileged to hear uh, Reinhard Bonnke speak at, at the Church of God General Assembly one year. And, and he, he, that thick German accent was coming through his English. And I never, it's one of his favorite things he told. I got to hear it. He said, you know, he had that thick German. He said, if you have a wood-burning stove and there's no wood in it and no fire and it's cold, he said, a fly will land on the stove. It'll walk all over the stove. It'll crawl all over the stove. He said, but if you put wood in the, in the stove and you light a fire and it gets hot, no fly will land on the stove. And he said, the devil is the fly and you are the stove and if you don't keep the wood in and if you don't keep the fire in your life will become the devil's playground but all if you let the Holy Ghost get inside of you and Jesus come in and you get on fire for God he said then the devil can't touch you and the devil can't come into your life because you're too hot for the devil to handle that's pretty good preaching I'm giving you this morning from a man who's gone on to be with the Lord. I want to be a stove that's on fire for God. How about you? I'll finish with this. The natives saw the viper bite Paul, and they assumed that justice was at work. They assumed Paul was a murderer and deserved death. And the sea didn't kill him. 
He escaped the sea, but they said, oh, justice will always win. And the snake got him. They said, ha, see? They would believe in karma. For the record, child of God, we don't believe in karma. Please don't use that word. Okay? Erase it from your vocabulary. I don't want to hear any of you please saying karma because we don't believe in karma. We believe in a God of justice. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Okay? So we don't believe in karma. But they would have said we believe in karma. Okay? You, you got away from the sea, but the snake got you. If the snake hadn't got you, then somebody would have got you. Now, the reason I tell you that is because when Satan attacks you, bad things are going to happen. And you may question, what have I done to deserve this? Do you know how bad we believers are that when something bad happens to us, we immediately assume that it's punitive? We immediately assume, I've done something wrong. God's punishing me. God, why are you doing this to me? Why, why do we assume God's punishing us? But that's the first thing we assume. But most, most of the time, it's, that's not what it is. It's, it's because you're, you're under an attack. So listen, here's the truth. If you, you aren't going through the trial because of something you've done wrong, y'all. You're going through the trial because of something you're doing right. So we got to learn how to get comfortable when things aren't going good and we know it's the devil. You're going after God. You're embracing the faith of your fathers. You're positively impacting the next generation for Jesus. The devil is just trying to stop you. Don't let him succeed. And I close with this, musicians. When Paul didn't swell up and die from the venom, then the natives changed their minds. Instead of a murderer, they thought he was a god. Now, I'm sure Paul immediately straightened them out on that. I am not a god. There's only one god. But let me tell you about him. But I think the point is, if you get on fire and you stay on fire and you don't let the devil take you away from what God's and stop what God is doing inside of you, maybe what started last Sunday or a few weeks ago, God's been working in this church for months now. We've been in something of a revival, of an awakening in this church. If you'll just stay on fire, guess what? People will see the God in you. Maybe it's already happened. Maybe, maybe in the last few months... You've been around family members, maybe better people at work, and they say, what's, what's something different about you? What's different about you? I don't know. Yeah, there's something. Well, you know what it is. It's God, and you're getting on fire for God. Because where there's smoke, there's fire. And if you've got fire, there's going to be smoke, and people are going to see what God is doing inside of you. Listen, I close with this. This world needs to see God in us. Our cities and towns in which we live need to see God in us. Our schools and universities need to see God in us. Our neighborhoods in which we live need to see God in us. Our families, yes, even today on Mother's Day, as we will all gather together and eat a meal and fellowship, listen, brothers and sisters, our families need to see God in us. Our spouses need to see God in us. Our children need to see God in us. If we've got parents who aren't saved, our parents need to see God in us. I want you to stand with me this morning.
I want you to sing that song, I Will Make Room For You Again. Just go right into the chorus, Jennifer, if you will. I know we've got visitors. I know we've got a full house today. I prayed about the altar. I'm going to let you stay right there. A lot of times I call you down here. I love, I love for the church. I love to finish services in the altar. And the altars are always open. But today I'm going to let you stay right there as I conduct this altar service. Are you on fire for God? Do you want to be on fire for God? Has the enemy been coming against you and there have been a lot of negative things that have been happening? I talked to somebody recently. That, man, they listened to about four or five things that were just going wrong right now in their life. Man, when it rains, it pours. But are you seeing that it's, it's the enemy trying to distract you and detour you? Don't let him win. Take authority over that devil and say, devil, you ain't seen nothing yet. I'm going to live for Jesus. Do you need a fire? If you say, pastor, I've been cold. I've been, I've been lukewarm. I, I'm watching what God's doing in this church and my friends. I want it in me. I want to be next. Today's your day. All you have to do is start praying. Have a little talk with Jesus. He knows your heart. He already knows. He always knows what you have need of before you ask him. Just say, Lord, give me that fire. Put a fire in me, oh God. Start a fire in me, God. Fire me up for you. Let me experience constantly continuing the presence and the power and the glory of God. Come on, can you just start praying that right now all over this church, whatever it is, however this word has affected you, all over the church, begin to pray and cry out to God. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.